every Wednesday, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. A show about endurance, human performance, and what it really means to feel alive and present. Presented to you by Javier Pineda. The very first night we arrive, I'm on by myself. You get a little bit of a warning that a helicopter's arriving with four soldiers, CPR in progress on all four of them. And when they came through the doors, seeing them in uniform, we're all wearing the same uniform, looking at them, and they're probably all under the age of 20. They're dead, the CPR is going on, and for a moment, it was like an out-of-body experience of like, I don't know that I can handle this. Welcome to another episode of the Endurance Cartel podcast. I have the one and only Lori Boji. Just so everybody understands what Lori does for a living, she is an ER physician, multiple iron woman, and also she has a side hustle, which she will tell us more about it in uh, this episode, which we're going to be talking extensively about how to be productive, how the best way for us to be productive, get everything done, and none whatsoever than a person that does iron distance events, which those people who don't know what an Ironman is, it's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 miles on the bike. Then you have a 26.2 mile run. And that's within 17 hours. Then also she does uh, other things like fun stuff, marathons, half Ironmans, plus a job. And also she's a wife. So she fits it all in one day, Jen. So Lori, welcome. It's so nice of you to be my guest. I've always seen you as a superwoman ever since I first met you. And uh, when I first asked you if you wanted to be on my podcast, you, you said that you had just finished an event. I think it was a marathon and you, it, things did not go too well. And <laughs> so, yes, and it's and I just want you to understand that it's very important that you are the precise definition of, like I said, superwoman that you don't need to finish a marathon in X amount of time or an Ironman in X amount of time, but you get things done. And it's so important for a lot of people out there that there are no excuses and you make things done. So anyhow, welcome. Thank you. And um, yes, that was that was a difficult moment. I think you caught me right after. But, you know, with, with everything that's happened the past few years, and actually uh, before COVID even, I had developed an Achilles issue. So I really wasn't able to run. Uh, so signing up for this marathon, it had been probably six years since my last one. And I did some pretty good training, but had struggled through the long runs. And um, when the date arrived, I went out like a mad woman thinking I could run the paces I used to run. <laughs> and at about mile 11, my body said, you're not doing a marathon no today. More. You're going to do a half. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I ended up listening to my body and uh, had an okay half marathon. But um, I think I'm telling you as the first person that I've already signed up for the next one because I definitely have to finish this. Uh, my husband probably won't be too happy, but 
but yeah, I just signed up for. A but he can run it with you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that way you can spend quality time together. <laughs> He's into golf these days, so. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. into golf. Wow. I mean, yeah. I think that's going to be my next sport. To be honest with you. <laughs> It's he's really enjoying it. A few short runs in golf, so he's got a nice balance going. I'm not there yet, though. <laughs> I guess a lot of endurance athletes were reluctant to actually just make that switch. Huh? But yeah, sure. you mentioned that um, you feel you feel that your body was just not giving you the right res the responses that you were looking for in that marathon, and if you with um. You don't mind saying your age? So I'm 49, you know, around this age, even a few years before we go through this crazy thing called menopause. <laughs> and um, it's it's like wild hormones and, and your sleep gets disrupted and, and your mood gets disrupted and your body, um, you know, big changes start happening. And you kind of have to learn to to just go with it rather than fight it, you know, and 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 do what you need to do. I think is is what I'm figuring out um, as I tend to still fight it. But uh, yeah, so it's wild changes happening. When did menopause start for you? Um, you know, they they really say it starts like mid late thirties. It's this long process, but obviously, as you get closer to fifty in your early fifties, it it intensifies. Um, so you can't you can't really say exactly when it's happening, but sh by by your late forties, you know you're you're definitely in it, and you know probably by fifty one to fifty three, I'll be on the other side of it. I think, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's 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 a crazy time. I mean, not many people talk about it. My physicians never have sat down with me and to explain what some of these changes might be. I've, I've done my own research on like hormone replacement therapy and, and is it, is it something I want to do for myself? Uh, and yes, the answer is definitely yes. Um, but there's a lot of changes that happen that affects not just me, but you know, my relationship with, with my husband, Burke and, and my relationship with running and, and, and my body changes. So it's a lot. Uh, I wish I wish more people would talk about it. And um, so you're doing all this training and um, you're going through menopause. Any changes? Plus, you have a very stressful job and uh, but not as stressful. I guess, I mean, you, you just previously told me before we uh, we press start here on the discussion that uh, your hours have, have uh, been more at ease. I mean, you're not working like back in like 10 years ago or whatnot. Yeah, no, I've made, I've been able to, you know, after 20 plus years in, in emergency medicine career, I've been able to, to cut back on my hours. So now I work 20 hours a week and I rarely work the night shifts anymore. Uh, I'm very lucky to be uh, in a group where I don't have to work many night shifts. So that helps tremendously because the day night switching was really hard, especially as you get older. So, so that's been probably the, one of the biggest things that has helped me, you know, as my body may be slowing down a little bit, like not working as hard and not working as many nights. So I'm very lucky that I can do that at, at this point in my career. And my foremost question would be, how do you make everything happen? <laughs> I mean, you wake up 
can you just tell me your schedule just so I can well, rest? I don't, rest. I don't jump out of bed excited to start the day. <laughs> I get out of bed in the morning, probably because my dog has to pee and he starts waking me up. But, uh, you know, I used to wake up much easier uh, and much more excited to run. Now it's kind of like, okay, where's, let's get the coffee going. Let's get the engine going. But more and more, I just prioritize what's important to me. So I, I say yes to things that have meaning and I say a lot of no's. I really won't meet friends anymore to go out to dinner at 8 p.m. because that's when I like to go to bed. <laughs> and I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but strange. I really, really love to be in bed at 8, read for a little bit, and then and then fall asleep by 9, like at the latest. So I say no a lot, um, and that allows me to say yes to the things I like. And then it looks like I'm very productive because I'm I'm accomplishing my goals a little bit easier because that's all I really focus on. So you would wake up at what time, ideally, on a regular day? So most days I'm up by 5 to 5.30. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you say you get your coffee, you walk the dog, and all that fun stuff. So you do you run? I mean, you go running. Do you run for basically de-stress more than anything? Or do you run because of that accomplishing kind of factor you still have in you? That's a good question. You know, like most people that they say are running from something or towards something. I mean, I just, mm. I love running. Like nothing makes me feel so good as a run. I mean, that's like when I kind of solve my problems, uh, I solve the world's problems. <laughs> um, you know, I, I feel my most beautiful self when I'm like sweaty and finishing, or, you know, hard intervals. Like, I just love it. It's still a struggle to get out the door, but I love the running. So I probably right now I'm running almost six days a week. I'll have one complete rest day, which is so needed. Um, and in the runs, mostly are easy, maybe two interval days, but most days are easy. But I mean, I just, it's what makes me happiest. So I, it's, it's like my top priority to get a run or workout in. And that's usually going to be in the morning. Before going to work. Yes. And um, you go to work and you work at the ER as a physician. Tell me about that. I mean, I've been at the ER before and um, for different circumstances, but is it like a show, like a TV show. I mean, that everybody's that just utter chaos the moment you walk in. Um, it de it depends on what hospital you're working at. Um, I've again, since I'm a little bit further along in my career, I've found a, a hospital that is less stressful. But I've I've certainly, I mean, I've worked in all different types of hospitals. I was even in war zones, so I think I've been in the most stressful situations. Um, so, you know, I always am early, which is, I know not a Miami thing, but I know my day is going to probably be very stressful. So there's no need to add stress in traffic and being late. So I'm always at least 20 to 40 minutes early to my shift. And then I can say hello to everyone, get my computer set up, you know, like, take a few deep breaths before I start the day. And the, the doc I'm taking over for always appreciates me coming in a little bit early um, in case 
there's a sick patient that happens to come in right at the last minute of his or her 12 hour shift. So yeah, so I just, I, I get there and then you never, the, the beautiful thing about emergency medicine is you never know what's going to come through the door. So uh, that's what I love. I mean, I really get to be the di- the diagnostic, you know, person that just has to figure it out and and then call on consultants as needed and, and you know, explain to the patients what's going on, um, save some lives now and then, uh, make some cool diagnoses now and then. So it's, I mean, I love it. I love it. It's hard. And so that's why 20 hours a week works better for me. Um, but yeah, I love it. You know, there's nothing, I mean, some people don't understand everybody's choice of careers or choice of work. And some people may be bewildered. It's like, wow, she says she loves it. And it's, it, they, it sounds like chaotic, but that's <laughs> what makes it so unique. You know, this is what I, practicing medicine, I mean, saving lives, I mean, consoling somebody that just sees nothing but darkness. But you mentioned war zones. Did you serve in the military at some point? Yeah. So when I started medical school, it was 1997 and uh, medical school is very expensive. And these loans were like so crazy, scary that um, when an army recruiter came along and said, look, we'll pay for all of medical school. You will pay for housing. I was living in San Francisco at the time. You know, you get this monthly stipend. It sounded wonderful. And all you had to do was pay back a few years. So I signed right up. And I remember my mom, you know, I'm 23 years old. And my mom's like, but Lori, what if we go to war? And I'm like, we haven't been to war really since Vietnam. We've had, you know, some some small conflicts, but there we're in and out of situations. And we don't do those kind of wars anymore. You know, I know it all at 23 years old. So um, I signed up for this scholarship and I was an intern in emergency medicine in the army when 9-11 happened. And I was like, Ooh, what did I just do? (laughs) What's going (laughs) to happen now? So we all had to deploy. I mean, emergency medicine docs are obviously needed in trauma zones. So, um, yeah, my first year after finishing residency, um, I was in Baghdad, Iraq in the busiest combat hospital in all of Iraq. Uh, and it was insane. It was horrible. I can't even, you can't, you can't describe it. Just, it was, it was the worst and best days of my lives. And, and that sounds so weird, but to be able to take care of thousands of soldiers and Marines was incredible, but it was really, really hard. So, you know, when I came back and I, working in a community hospital and we get a call, oh my gosh, you know, paramedics are arriving in five minutes with a gunshot wound, I'm like, just one victim, you know, because we were you're used to like right. 30 to 50 victims of IEDs and not, you know, so um, it changes your whole perspective in life for sure. But yeah, so I've, I had that opportunity and then I've done academic medicine, community medicine, and now I'm working back at the VA taking care of my veterans, which is, you know, kind of full circle in my career. So I'm really enjoying that. Wow. I, this is a side I did not know. Um, <laughs> I don't talk about it too much. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's listen, much more respect. And can you remember a time, I mean, in a way that 
this had a profound change being in Iraq, like in you as a person and you as a, as a doctor, was there, do you remember a moment that, man, this, this day changed me, this, or this person being with this person right now, treating this person changed me? Um, I mean, my, my very first night, because I was the youngest doc of the emergency medicine group, you know, I had just finished residency. We deployed, there were four ER docs that had to run the, the ER trauma bay. So I got nights, right? So the very first night we arrive, I'm on by myself and we get a call because everyone arrives. The ambulances are the helicopters. So uh, you get you get a little bit of a warning that a helicopter's arriving with four um, soldiers, CPR in progress, on all four of them. And when they came through the doors, seeing them in uniform, we're all wearing the same uniform, looking at them, and they're probably all under the age of twenty, and they're they're dead. The CPR is going on, and you know, I, I like. For a moment, it was like an out-of-body experience of like, I don't know that I can handle this. Like seeing these soldiers and not even having a chance. You know, we, we kept doing the CPR. I intubated. I put in chest tubes. I mean, we tried everything we could, but they, they had died way before arriving to us. And my entire nursing team broke down, you know, because this was our very first code there. And... A colonel came in and said, you know, because my thought was, you can't, you can't cry. You have to be tough. You know, there's no crying in baseball. Like, get your shit together. And a colonel came in and said, cry. These, these guys are worth it. Like, cry. And, you know, it, it, that was the moment. And then it was like, that happened over and over and over, nonstop for seven months of being there. Um, so it changes your life completely, your views on, on politics, on war, on religion, on, you know, it's, it's, it, you grow up really fast. But again, you know, when I came back, I'm like, how am I supposed to handle this? And, and my boss said, you just focus on all the good you were able to do. Just focus on that because you're never going to be able to explain or get through all the bad you saw, just focus on the good. And, you know, we did, we had a 97% survival rate. So if a soldier or Marine arrived to us alive, and I mean, they, legs, arms, both legs, head injuries, chest injuries, I mean, they were blown up. If they arrived to us with any sort of pulse, there was a 97% chance we were going to keep them alive and get them back home to their families. So we did amazing work. That was that was incredible. And Lori, let me ask you, what you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you run for clearing your mind. You run for just getting your best ideas. And um, what did you do on those days? I mean, how how would you wake up or how would you go to sleep? Okay, so Javier, let me tell you, when I was over there and and and. On my way, and even weeks before going over there, I said, I've got to have a game plan, right? I went, I was the only female physician. I lived with all the male physicians. Like, I didn't have my, my team, right? Like, I, I mean, I, got, I, I, I know how to play with the boys, and, but it's nice if you can have a girls club, right? So 
I had to figure out what does Lori need to do to be on her A game every single day? And it came down to, I need to run. So Javier, let me tell you what I did over there. I ran and I ran every single day. If you could talk to anyone else from my unit, <laughs> I ran on a treadmill, the same treadmill every single day until an IED came in and blew up my treadmill. Then I went no. to the treadmill. I went to the treadmill. I wasn't on the treadmill when it happened, but, <laughs> okay. but I had to go to the treadmill next to it. But I ran every single day. I got to the point where I could run 20 miles in a day, and that wasn't enough because I couldn't outrun the stress. But I got fast. We, they had a 5K race once a month in, in the green zone. Um, in Baghdad. And it was like at five in the morning. And it was, it's kind of bizarre because it was the one time you could take off all the Kevlar and everything. And they would let you run, you know, around the green zone, a 5k race. And I got my time down to like 19 flat. Like I, I became my best runner over in Iraq. And that's just because I had to run that stress out. And that, that was the only thing that kept me sane over there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And did you get to talk to your parents in a consistent basis or anybody else of everything that you would see? So I never would talk to them about what I was seeing or, I mean, cause you, you, it's, it's really, I mean, nobody can quite understand and you know, your mothers and parents, they just, they're so stressed and worried about you. It's, it's not, that hard once you're there, right? When you get there, you're scared for the first week that you're going to die. And then the last week you're worried because you want to get back home. But in between, you just kind of have to live and you can't live in that fear 24 seven. But parents back home, I can't imagine. I mean, my mom was like living in fear the entire time. So I'm not going to tell her about how horrible, you know, I just, but we didn't get to talk that much because it's not like today with smartphones so mostly email, I would could send emails regularly to them. That was the best way to communicate. Do you apply same, uh, even today, some of the same things that you applied back then in terms of a productivity from the military and things that you were trained on in, um, cause I've, I've interviewed already some, uh, military personnel mm -hmm. and it's the consistency of it. They're all very wired in a different way. Like you are. <laughs> And they, it's consistent in the way that they will not stop at nothing. They will keep on going until the, the they I, I, complete their goals. I'm and, not, I mean, I'm not a David Goggins. I'm not. No, I'm not. but I mean, it, it, you're, you're, it's, it's not that you're going to be going and doing crazy miles, but in a way that you will be consistent in stubborn in a good way to get through things that you want to achieve and doesn't have to be in an endurance setting. Right. I kind of feel like I, I picked that up before the military, right? Because medical school was very disciplined and actually I swam in college and that's where I think I really learned this whole time management thing between swimming, you know, five hours a day and classes and I had to work too. So that's kind of when I learned the productivity, time management, you know, focus on what's important, get things done. And then it carried over, obviously, into med school. Um, 
and then my military career and then just life. So I really encourage sports. I mean, I remember when I was interviewing for med school, one program was like, you didn't do enough research. You swam too much. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't understand life. Swimming has taught me so many good uh -huh. traits. You know, I mean, I didn't say that, obviously, but I wish I could right. go back and say that now. <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger self if you were having to go back and do all this again? Oh, man. I mean, I probably wouldn't take my own advice back then, right? Like I didn't take my mother's advice. But um, I think just don't sweat all the small stuff or maybe sweat it, you know, go for a run, but don't like worry about what am I going to do in life and how am I going to get into med school and who am I going to marry? And, and, you know, um, so many things we, our minds go crazy about when life kind of mm. works its way out, how it's supposed to. I mean, I didn't I plan for any of this, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's certainly been a fun ride. So yeah, maybe just, just, you know, enjoy the moments rather than trying so hard to delay gratification. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. It's just, it's just a little, like, I see a lot of young women these days just get, getting stuck so much in the moment. Mm -hmm. And um, I, it's true. I mean, it's it, that I was that age and I would sometimes bump into older people and they would give me this kind of like a bumper sticker advice uh -huh. or some, I, it sounds so tacky, but now I looking back, I'm like, you know, it's so freaking true as yeah. tacky as it may sound. It's yeah. don't sweat the small stuff in so many ways. Yeah. And, um, look at you. I mean, it's like you here, you are an ER physician and, um, just having accomplished the Ironmans, which is something I wanted to talk. When did, does the Ironman come in? The Ironmans came in and, and they've kind of gone away, although we talk about maybe doing another one one day, but they kind of came in when I met my husband. Because when I met Burke, he was doing not just Ironmans, but 50-mile races, 100-kilometer races. And I was like focused mostly on my career at that point and maybe doing some half marathons and marathons. So I just jumped into the training because that's what he and all of his friends were doing. And um, I don't think that's I did. That's how you guys bonded? No. Yeah, that's, that's, that was, that was like, that's what he did. So I guess that's what I yeah. did. <laughs> so I was tired <laughs> for many years. But, you know, it, it becomes like addictive a little bit, right? And oh, then, totally. And then when you kind of get out of it, you're like, I can't just do one exercise a day. I need to do two <laughs> sports or, you know, so. It, it becomes like a drug. Yeah. So I'm kind of glad it's, to be pat. Like, it's not really for me right now, maybe again in the future, but I like not feeling so tired all the time. It is, it is pretty, pretty nice. Huh? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, I, I kind of got the feeling nice part when I, uh, I stopped doing Ironmans. I mean, sometimes I, I would, I may run or I may bike, I, I, or even swim. Mm hmm. I sometimes the thought of, hey, what would happen if, if I were in a race right now or something? But <laughs> then I start getting a little bit tired and it's just exhausting to get finished the, the training that, yeah. man, I, I'm glad I'm not doing all that crap ever again. I mean, it's just I can't yeah. see myself ever getting off the bike and then going and running a marathon. No. But <laughs> I, it, it, is, um, it is very 
addictive because it it just wakes up in us a lot of uh I mean for me at least it was just gratifying in many ways that it was mostly for me it was mostly emotional yeah but um and and everybody has their own experiences of what the sport itself does you know all these long distance sports doesn't have to be an ironman but mm-hmm. what, just running a hundred k, for instance, or biking across America, yeah. or any extreme sport that it 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 does something. It it does it gives us. I wouldn't say it. It's a good addiction if you want to. If it's it's better than doing something stupid, which I mean, I mean that's uh, it's obviously room for argument there, but. <laughs> No, it's um. I mean, yeah, you can you can look at is this healthy is for the body, you know, uh, for longevity medicine. You know, there's there's a lot out there on maybe it is detrimental, but it certainly teaches you that you know not everything is easy. Life is hard. This is hard. You go to deep places to get through one. That's for sure. It's nice to not be signed up for one right now. <laughs> <laughs> and. Let me ask you, so when COVID hit, I mean, obviously you still see patients that come in with COVID, you just mentioned, uh, before we started the interview. How was it? I mean, how was your life? What was what was going through your life or what was how were you dealing with all that before we knew more of COVID, those beginning days of March? You know, Javier, it's really interesting because I didn't expect this to happen, but when COVID hit, it took me right back to Baghdad, 2005. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was back in a war zone. I didn't quite, you know, you don't quite know who's the enemy, you know, who's the bad guy in Iraq. Mm. Um, Where, where's this virus? How are we supposed to treat it? I mean, hours a day reading everything new that was coming out. Right. And, and we could see it coming. We could see what was going on in Europe and China and, and then the first cases in the U.S. And then, I mean, I remember, I remember it hitting Miami and it was like overnight, we'd see these sick patients with these x-rays that you've never seen lungs that look like this. Like mm. you could tell from the, the chest x-ray or the CAT scan, this is COVID. And, and it was such a humbling disease because you know, a cardiologist I worked with that I would see all the time at Equinox running died. My age died. Like other physicians I work with intubated in the ICU, young people, no medical, like, and then, you know, older ones, maybe asymptomatic, like certainly, you know, there were risk factors, but it, it it hit everyone and, and it was brutal and not knowing how to deal with this equipment, testing. It was, it was really scary. And I mean, we would gown up, you know, now we kind of, we definitely don't gown up like this anymore. Um, but in the beginning before the vaccines and everything, we were gowning up. I mean, it was full body layers of stuff. So you're in this, this equipment sweating and you feel like you can't breathe and trying to intubate people with all these layers of equipment and masks and uh, your goggles and face mask would fog up. So you're trying to see what you're doing to save a lot. It was crazy, but yeah, it, it, it took me back. It felt like I was in a war zone again. And, and some of that trauma came back and it was like, 
you know, and I, I felt bad because my colleagues hadn't been to a war zone before. And so mm. there were some that were really struggling uh, with it. In comparison, because you mentioned that you were the only woman in, uh, in, your, in your team. Now you had more women around you not being able to kind of cope with everything going around and not knowing who the enemy was. I mean, was there a, was there like an emotional support group going on with, between you guys or how, how did it work? Yeah, I mean, we definitely had each other and, you know, we could on shift just check in with each other and, and sit mm -hmm. next to each other. Even if we're in all this equipment, you know, we can still talk to each other and and just know, you know, on the phone in between if there if someone else had a bad case. Like I remember my friend calling me um, just she broke down after a really bad case. And so it, it, it does help to have this club. And, you know, I, I don't want to say, oh, there's the girls club and the boys club because I, I, you know, I mentor and I have many male colleagues that are good friends too, but there is something special about another female that that's going through the same thing uh, when I'm going through it. So that kind of led me to say, look, I want to do something. I want to create more of a girls club in medicine because I've seen it in sports, right? Like you see, um, let's get equal numbers in Kona for women, you know, the pro athletes, like you see these, these groups come together and really support women in sports. So I said, I'm going to do this in medicine. I'm going to create something, a girls club in medicine. And that's where Green Cloud kind of came about. And yes, I make really cool scrubs because when you feel good and look good, you're going to do good. But but the real mission of Green Cloud is to create this girls club in medicine because it's not a boys club anymore. I saw your website on Green Cloud and uh, I must say they are very elegant scrubs. <laughs> I thought right? that I mean you could you could you could get away with going to a nightclub with these scrubs. <laughs> I mean yeah. really yeah. really they're very elegant. Thank and you. um so, so what's what's the we're going to put this on our on our show notes but green cloud right? Yes. And why why green cloud? In medicine ask any physician are you a white cloud or a black cloud? We're very superstitious. And everyone will immediately answer you. Oh my God! I'm a, when I show up to shift, the CAT scan breaks. You know, the the meanest consultant is on and yells at me all day long, and the patients are difficult. And then you know, someone else will say, Oh my gosh! When I when I come on to shift, the nurse you know brought me donuts in the morning, and all my patients are super nice, and everything goes smooth. I'm a white cloud. And I said, You know what? Not everything's black or white. We got to change medicine. The system was built wrong. It's not broken. It was built wrong. Training of residencies is insane. They beat How you so? up. They tear you down and beat you up and think that's your that's that's how you make a good doctor. That's how you make like a mean basically by resiliency doctor. kind of way. Oh, it's so 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 I took that and I said, you know what? I'm going to be a green cloud. I'm going to mix it up and, and we're just going to create this whole new way of, of, of doing things. And I want women to come together and stand up and speak up and, you know, and mix it up a little bit. So that's where the name I comes love from. it. I love it. Um, I, I swear I, I, uh, 
I wish you nothing but the best on this. Cause, Thank uh, you. And usually great ideas come in moments that are just that aha moment. Those are, for instance, how would I say? Sometimes they come after a run. Sometimes they, they come up after uh, lifting a heavy weights per se yeah. or whatever it may be, but it usually comes after an activity. For, at least this has been my experience and the experience I've, I've uh, spoken to people. So when did it come to you? So I actually started having the crazy idea back, like when I finally like got into medical school. And then when you start doing the rotations, you're like, Oh, I get to wear scrubs. Like this is so exciting because now I'm going to look like a doctor, even though I don't know how to be a doctor yet, you know, third year of medical right. school. And so you, what we had to do was go to the OR and get scrubs to wear because that's how you used to get your scrubs. And the scrubs in the OR are literally made for men, like one size, super boxy. And I put them on and I'm like, are you kidding? Like, this is like me wearing my dad's clothes and going to like a job interview. Like, how am I going to be taken serious? Like, these don't fit. They're ugly. And I like to like look good in my clothes, but that's, that's what I had to wear. So the idea came, but then I was like, you're not going to make scrubs. You're going to be a doctor. Just stay in your lane. But the, the idea over the years kept coming back, kept coming back. But I mean, I kept pushing it away and then other companies started that, that do similar, you know, nicer products for women specifically. So I just bought those, but I never, they weren't like what I was envisioning. So on runs in my dreams, all these moments, it just kept coming back to me until I finally said, I'm going to do something about this. So, well, for all the listeners and everybody that's viewing this, just Go into go into Lori's uh, site because um, these these scrubs look nice. I mean, these if I were a patient, I were sick, and I see somebody in those scrubs. I mean, it, it, hey, I'll, I'll feel better. No, and I mean, I when I walk in the room, you know, the patients are like, "Oh, doctor, I gotta go." You, they 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 see me. I'm I'm dressed a little bit nicer. They notice. And before they may not even notice like who, who is this person in my room or, you know, they'll, after seeing them 10 times, they'll be like, I never saw the doctor. And like, you know, I, I introduce myself all the time as doctor. So it helps. Um, and, and I, I just stand a little bit taller in them and they feel really good. And so, yeah, it's fun. Kudos. Seriously. That's just, I mean, it, it is, uh, it changes your perspective as a patient. It just, I mean, yeah. it gets you out of the mindset of oh here's the doctor here here what we're what i mean the routine of what we're gonna do and all that it, yeah. it changes the whole panorama of, of things yeah and closing the discussion i mean with how we started the whole our, our whole thing of uh menopause as a physician what would be your suggestions and as an athlete on uh, on menopause so go back always start with the basics right you got to get your sleep you got to, you got to nourish your body. So eat real foods, you know, mostly plant-based, but real foods, one ingredient items, try to stay away from the processed stuff. Um, socializing is very important, especially as we get older, you know, it's, it's harder to maybe to meet friends. COVID kind of just was very hard on that, but just the basics first. And then 
exercise. You may not be able to do what you used to do. So be okay with that. Like walking is an amazing sport. And so just go for long walks if that's all you kind of feel up to. But do something. You got to move. Um, and then, you know, for females, really look into hormone replacement therapy if you're a candidate. Because mm -hmm. there are so many studies now that show for dementia, for osteoporosis, which is huge mm -hmm. in female athletes, for sex, for your skin, um, if there, if you don't have a strong family history of breast cancer, it may even help if you stay on hormones mm -hmm. to prevent breast cancer for yourself, right. heart disease. So there, there's a lot of things, but it's going to be an individual. It's not one size fits all, but, but really look into, uh, hormone replacement therapy. Because if you're a candidate, you have to start it within 10 years of menopause and you really want to start it you know, within a year or two, you kind of, you want to transition kind of from periods to hormone. When you stop those, start on that hormone. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that will help. That's my research and opinion, you know, as being a physician. Um, but it's something you have to research yourself. Females have to research themselves and, and look into and talk with their uh, gynecologist. Um, so basically, women that do high intensity training, um, CrossFit per se, I would just, would you just limit that and just go with pure strength work? Not, not per se lifting 1000 pounds over your head, but just minimizing the, the stress on your body. So you're going to be the expert here. I mean, I think if you can just get women to, to do any weights, it's so important, right? So when we get down to heavy weights, how many reps, like, just first of all, get to the gym. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. Get to the gym twice a week if you can, or or do it at home. But I mean, that's that's got to be the starting line. Um, and then the details beyond that, like depending on how intense and 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 if that's one of your top priorities, that's when you hire you to say, listen, give me a really good program for my age where I need to be. From a physician standpoint, if I can get my patients to walk and do weights twice a week, I'm we're winning together. Yes, and I have had the the privilege of training, including you, most of my very good friends who are going through menopause, and um, I can. Um, I'm not being modest here, but I'm pretty good at my job, and so good. All of them have, thank you, all of them have, have done very well. I mean, in the sense of not overstressing their bodies with weights or just trying to achieve uh, a one rep max in, in a CrossFit class, which by the way, if you do a one rep max, I'm sorry, but nobody, it's not like, I don't know what, what's being achieved there for a woman that's going through menopause or those orange theories classes that kind of start banging you to the point of. I mean, you got to know who, who's training you. I mean, I, I love this phrase. I mean, it's, I'm going to paraphrase it here, but I mean, it's like start knowing yourself or somebody else is going to start telling you what, what you're made of. Hmm. And uh, if you're not basically knowing what your body needs and uh, truly be humble about it and put your pride aside, it's going to work. It's going to keep on working because yeah. your body has the ability to reach 150. So 
Hopefully, right? Yeah. Yes. We, 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 technologies in medicine are advancing daily. And I strongly believe your body is capable of such beautiful things, even past menopause, past a lot of crap. And um, moving on in that we have this, this little bit that's called the endurance exchange. And me, we got personal already, but I want to even get more personal with you. And, <laughs> and um, I, we have three questions. And question number one is, if there's a moment in time where endurance played a role that made you superhuman? There's been so many moments. I mean, sports, honestly, you know, I, I have got, I am where I am today because I learned time management and productivity from sports. So, you know, whether it was a college meet where, you know, we won, we beat a team that, you know, was unbeatable, um, or PRing in a race or, you know, winning, all six 5Ks I did in Baghdad, you know, I mean, like, there's so many moments, but honestly, it's every day that I'm out there running, it's just, that's when I'm at my very best. So without sports, like, I, I don't even know who I am, to be honest. You beat the guys too, right? In Not Baghdad? all of them, no. Oh. There was one really fast college runner, like, no way. <laughs> 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 so basically it's just i mean uh, doing sports and actually that will translate over to your to your personal life yeah that's it, it, you learn so many lessons right from sport like yeah i agree so many lessons i agree it, it's i still i want to go back and find that guy who told me you swam too much and you didn't do enough research he just didn't get it <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure that i'm sure with today's technology you can find him somewhere and, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, uh, question number two would be just name a person that inspired you just to go that extra mile and tell us why of that person. Why would you pick that person that went? I mean, I don't want to sound cheesy, but it's got to be Burke. There's no cheesiness in this program. You know, you know, Burke. <laughs> and I mean, this guy moves from Turkey when he's like 24 years old. He literally has $2,000 in his pocket has to find a place to live, buy a car. Like, how do you do that? And, and his whole, everything in life, he's, he, he's just an incredible person. And somehow I meet him and somehow he likes me. And, you know, now I, you know, get to be with him most days. It's, I'm like, he's, I'm so lucky. And I learned so much from him still because he's traveled the world. He grew up on the other side of the world um, so yeah, definitely Burke. That's an easy one. Um, a story about Burke. It's, he's <laughs> such a, um, back in the good old days when I used to teach spinning classes and, um, I went over to Equinox and you can usually, for all those listeners who, if you want to spot an Ironman, an Ironman, specifically an Ironman, just look for the guy <laughs> who's in your spin classes in your little, in a little corner back in that room. And it's doing stuff by themselves and dr full dressed in, in the triathlete kit. You know, right. just all, the only thing missing would be a helmet. And this was Burke. And I came in that class and here was Burke having done a, like three classes already. <laughs> sweaty, 
And he's still going while still talking to him because, I mean, it's like, I want to go talk to his triathlete, see what he's up to, you know. I knew it was a triathlete right away. And um, he's such a nice guy. I mean, he with a big smile on his face. I mean, he, with his orca, sh- uh, <laughs> it, like, overall. And uh, he's like, yeah, this is like my third class. I mean, I, uh, how's your class going to be? And <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, it's, it's going to be what it's going to be. You know how my classes were. I mean, they're always interval based. And um, so this guy, he would stay and I don't know how he, uh, he's just uh, endurance wise. He's, he's a, a, a specimen. And as a person, I can see why he, you, you're inspired by him. Yeah. Um, he's achieved so much in life and uh, look at you. I mean, and he gets life, right? He, He's never, it's never been about work and, and, and rank and, and he never lets anyone know anything he's done. It's, you know, he's just a super nice guy who gets life. And, you know, a lot of times he reminds me, (laughs) stop stressing so much and saying yes to so many things at work. You know, that's not, that's (laughs) not your life. So, yeah. There are certain persons uh, we meet that they calm you down. There's an energy about people that calm you down and make you just realize, hey, everything's okay, man. Yeah. Everything's fine. And Burke is one of them. It's those persons that you're just like, hey, how are you, man? And you might be all agitated and stressed and just trying to make it through the day. And here's Burke saying hi. And all of a sudden, it's like, all right, everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's okay. Yeah. And this is, I can see why. And it's, yeah. um, it's a it, good balance. my yes he is a good balance my my third question would be what piece of advice i've i think i've asked you this already but it's it's in a different format what piece of advice would you give our listeners given all your experience so far that you acquired what would be the best advice in terms of productivity in terms of how to manage your day i mean keep in mind that you're a 49 year old that you're a physician or an ex military, iron woman, marathoner, my God, 5k winner on Baghdad. I think my advice, I think I would say, first of all, just stay humble and curious, right? Because we get into trouble when we start thinking we know how to do everything and how things should be. And, you know, the younger generations can teach us a lot. So Mm -hmm. stay curious, try to learn new things, always stay humble. Um, I think that will get you far in life and, and, and you'll kind of keep a a better attitude. And then, like I've said before, like say no to things that don't align with where you want to be going. Just, Mm. it's okay to say no. You Mm -hmm. can say no, thanks. Or just, you can say no, that's a sentence, you know? (laughs) Nope. I agree. And, And go to bed early. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you know what? It's it's such a very, it, that's a great advice. Very <laughs> simple and very hard at the same time. Yeah, no, no, no. I still am working on it. we are those. always connected to some sort of technological device. Either it's in the, the TV in the bedroom yeah. that you just want to wait for that next show and you're just with one eye open and you're just trying to make it through that show, but you want to see more stuff that entertains you or you have the are the phones, which yeah. basically yeah. 
I mean, Instagram, uh, look at TikTok, look, everybody wants, crazy. I feel that you said something very true. It's saying no. Mm-hmm. Instagram or social media in essence has made, has created the feeling that you are missing out on so much, but are you missing out on so much? I mean, are these laughs that you see in Instagram, I mean, are something that, you, I don't know, some, uh, there's a lot of filtered fakeness on it that it's not really there. And um, the best, I mean, the, it's just limiting that to a point that, okay, you know what, is social media, is it benefiting me on something? Is it benefiting me on my, this new venture I'm, I'm trying to achieve? Is it benefiting me on some, some things? But if you're stuck there in that, in that web and just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and trying to find something, and um, and just making you feel like crap. Why even bother? Yeah, it's it's addictive too, right? It's it's um, yeah, you gotta set boundaries. Uh, yeah, it is, it is. But I mean, it's like I heard in um in uh, uh on an audio book. I can't remember the the person it was. Basically, he mentioned that if we would limit or just eliminate completely social media, a lot of us would have so many degrees and doctorates that or even accomplish so many ventures because of the time frame that we spend yeah. on those uh on on that particular app i listened to it it just hit home and it and um yeah it i uh my productivity went up for sure so Lori, any anything do you want to promote to in the sense of um your business your side hustle with uh green cloud Oh, I mean, you know, you can go take a look at it on Instagram, Green Cloud Apparel. Green Cloud, that's the, that's the name, right? Green Cloud Apparel. Green Cloud Apparel. Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, we're one year in. Um, I'm meeting so many incredible women. But, you know, it's, I want to hear everyone else's stories. Like that's, again, it's it's to create this, this movement and bring women together um, because I think we just do better that way. Hey, kudos to that. And uh, Lori, listen, I cannot appreciate you being on this podcast. I am sure that many women, many, many listeners, but many women especially are going to be benefiting a lot from uh, what you've shared. And um, it, I'm inspired. I cannot explain to you in many ways. I did not know that you had been in Iraq, that you had witnessed all the horror that you just, I mean, it's, there's no need to go into it because I mean, we all know what it was, but you witnessed some things that very few have witnessed with COVID as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, here you are, you know, I mean, you've done so much, you've, you're, and you're happy and yeah. you're with, you're, you're with an amazing partner. And this is something I feel that a lot of people are, having that life, that quality of life, and you have it, a quality of life. And this is so important nowadays. And it's, um, I appreciate you very much for saying yes. And uh, you don't have to be a winner in a marathon to, <laughs> to actually inspire uh, people. We'll talk again <laughs> after the next one. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I want, I want Burke to actually just stick his nose there and then there and actually say a few things as well. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it's going to humble everybody too. <laughs> Thank you, Lorraine. I thank you for all your doing. Yes. Oh no, listen, I mean it's um I'm only a humble servant. <laughs> I'm only a humble servant.
Anyway, we are anywhere that you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, anywhere that you might listen to. Also, contribute to our Patreon. Um, we're always willing to strive for more. So actually having some reviews on our podcast would help, guys. So just anything that you would like to listen to or anything that you want us to change, anything, anything, just Put a review in there. It, it always helps me put on a better show for you guys and also gets more listeners to get engaged. And that helps me, helps everybody to get this show spread out and uh, and get to more listeners. Anything that you might want to get more of, you can always visit our show notes. You can go and visit our website, endurancecartel.com. You can see all our shows in that uh in our website and with that being said every wednesday we have a new podcast at 8 a.m so make sure that you stay tuned for every wednesday all right guys thank you for listening to endurance cartel i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did subscribe to the podcast and give us a review wherever you get your podcast join our cartel by supporting us on patreon and receive other perks hey why not maybe even become a guest Ah, I almost forgot. Join our website at endurancecartel.com. And if you like, leave us a message with a question or topic that interests you. And we may even feature it on our future episode. You can also find more information about our episodes by visiting our blog and subscribing to our newsletter. That's it for now. We'll see you next time. Same place, same vibes. Be good. Endurance Cartel.